This is Talk of the Town on Magic 590, also heard on 100.5. I'm Bob Cudmore. Joining us is Chris Churchill, Albany Times Union news columnist. Uh, a recent uh, a column I, uh, you did, uh, Chris, has to do with uh, political job appointments in Albany County. Mm. It, as with many of these stories, it's rather a complex uh, scenario. Uh, but um, what is your take on how jobs you know, get filled in government in Albany County? Well, you know, the... <laughs> the uh, the old everybody i think everyone's familiar with the old system of you know the uh, the patronage type jobs that you know ruled in albany for decades and decades and and do still do to a lesser degree i think you see less of it than you used to but um but there was uh in the uh comptroller's office just recently we we learned that uh Ralph Signoracci a county legislator from legislator from Cohoes had been appointed to a to a pretty well-paying job in mm-hmm. under Mike Connors, the comptroller. Yeah, and um, I mean that that wouldn't have raised, you know, it would have been kind of a, a friend hiring a friend kind of thing. But the thing that made it particularly troubling is that Signorachi is is somewhat embroiled in an FBI investigation of some of the goings on in Cohoes uh, City Hall. Um, where, like you said, this isn't a bit of an involved story. It is, it is an involved story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm realizing now I was going to try to get into it. But yeah, basically, the FBI is looking into whether Sean Morse and Ralph Signorachi, who was his campaign treasurer, um, didn't keep very close watch over the campaign funds, and mm-hmm. some of the funds may have been misused. Um, which, of course, is exactly what the comptroller's office is supposed to do. It's supposed to make sure that taxpayer yeah, money is not being misused. So he, in, in that sense, he would be the last person at this particular moment in time you would want to hire for, mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. for that job. Well, let's move from uh, Albany County to New York State. Governor Cuomo uh, delivers his uh, inaugural address, or he accepting his next term in, in office down at Ellis Island. Yeah, sounding to, to me for for all the world like a presidential candidate. I know that's that's kind of what I was thinking. Are are we sure he's not running for president? Because the 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 buzz around the idea that he was going to run has kind of faded in recent weeks or re- recent months. I mean, he first of all he promised straight up not to. Right. Um, well, politicians do, do, do that, that all the time. time yeah. But it also just seemed like there just isn't that much interest nationally. His name is never really mentioned as one of the leading contenders. Um, if he did run, he'd face a lot of competition from other candidates in this region, including Elizabeth Warren, who just announced you mm-hmm. know a couple of days ago. Um, but yeah, you're right. Last, that speech sure sounded like like a presidential speech i mean it was it was kind of a national speech in a lot of ways and was really focused on a lot of like the uh progressive buzzwords of the day it mm-hmm. was uh it was interesting yeah and the, with the legislature coming into session they've got the opportunity to give themselves a pay raise but I, I, what i seem to hear from uh the legislature or the members of the legislature, a lot of carping about the pay raise. Yeah, it's a pretty handsome pay raise. I've, is it sixty three or sixty eight percent? It's I think uh, it's thirty eight percent. Over. No, I'm sorry. No, you're you're right. It's yeah. a sixty three percent. Sixty three. Pay yeah. raise over three years. Right. Which I think most of us would be very happy with. Yes. Yes. Um, but it comes with a, a few caveats. One of which is a limit on outside income, and that's what really has the the lawmakers. Uh, in a tizzy, you know. I mean, understandably so. I the, the, I have a little bit of mixed feelings about that. On the one hand, 
outside income is usually where the corruption hap- happens. You know, you you give somebody a favor, a legislative favor, and then you get hired for a job, a no-show job often, that pays you very well, and that's obviously uh, problematic. But there are people, you know, John McDonald and, and Cohoes is an example, who have legitimate jobs and legitimate, he's a pharmacist, mm. and... Um, Part of me really likes the idea that we have pharmacists and reg- yeah, regular people in the legislature. So it's it's a bit of a mixed bag, but you know, it's a, it's a very handsome pay raise. It would make them the highest paid lawmakers in the country mm-hmm. easily, not even close. We'll have to see what happens with that. Yeah. Uh, also, you uh, had coverage of the opioid crisis involving the Mohawk Nation, the St. Regis uh, Mohawk tribe in northern New York, has joined a, a lot of. Uh, Oh, conventional jurisdictions that maybe we would say uh, in America in filing suit against the pharmaceutical makers of OxyContin and other uh, opioids. And I gather from reading your column, what you found was that the opioid crisis is especially severe on the on the St. Regis Reservation. Yeah, that's what the lawsuit claims. And um, I mean, in, in a sense, that's not surprising. Addiction issues on reservations of have been a problem for as long as most people can remember. Um, the opioid crisis tends to be uh, most severe in places, you know, the forgotten places where the economy isn't doing very well, and that certainly applies to the uh, to the Mohawk Reservation up on the. So we're talking about up on the northern mm-hmm. the northern border. Um, but it is an an area of the opioid crisis that I think hasn't really gotten as much attention as uh, as you know the the way that it's affected. Uh, suburban communities or, or ex-urban communities. Yeah. And, but you write that money alone won't fix the problems of uh, no, the opioid crisis. No, it won't. I mean, I, I said in the column that you could take every last, every last dollar of profit that the big drug companies have made off of opioids. And there is a reason to think that they – there's plenty of evidence suggesting that they ignored uh, evidence that, that these would really cause a problem, that they were much more addictive than the drug companies said – um, there's there's definitely evidence of wrongdoing on their part. I don't want to minimize that, but it's also true that I don't think the I think the crisis is about some sort of despair and desperation that's happening out there. And you know, I don't think these no matter how successful these lawsuits are, they're not going to address mm-hmm. that underlying problem. And and you know, that's that's on the rest of us to figure out that. Yeah, out. there's yeah. a there's a demand for this. Uh, for something to change your life in some way, right? If maybe by chemicals, right? And as I quoted somebody in that column, as saying the, I mean, the the reason the opioids took off is because they're. It's not that the, their pain killing um, uh, effectiveness is is strong, but but what they're really really good at is getting rid of your anxiety or your worries, or you know, they make you feel good, and that's I think what a lot of people are looking for because they don't feel good. In other areas of their life. Well, you had what I would describe maybe as a feel-good story about the mother and son hiking team. Oh, yeah. You did yeah. a column about uh, the the son, who is uh, Jesse Iyer, his mother Mary Ellen Wander Iyer. Uh, they hike in the Adirondacks in a serious way. They've uh, earned... Um, the distinction of hiking so many mountains or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. They did the Lake Placid Niner, which is nine mountains around the Lake Placid area. That's a cut, like a hiking challenge that you do. And it's the Lake Placid Niner. Niner. Yeah. 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 And, um, you know, I will go ahead. ahead. No, I was going to say, it seemed to me it opened the door for uh, you to, uh, 
bemoan kids today. Yeah, well, I always like to tie things to bigger issues. You know, I mean, I one of the reasons I thought what they did was was so um, encouraging is that yeah, you don't see kids out. Kids are not outside very much. I mean, she, Mary Ellen told me that you know part of the reason that she was eager to do this is because her kid, her son, plays a lot of video games. You know, and he's inside a lot of the time and. Um, and it was a chance for them to spend time together and talk without, you know, the cell phones buzzing and without uh, the distractions that most of us live with, um, happily or unhappily, I guess. And uh, you know, it, it was a, it was neat. And I, you know, I, I'm not that old. I like to think, anyways. And I remember playing outside for hours and hours and hours after school, and you just don't see that anymore. And it's, and that is, that is having all sorts of detrimental effects that I, I don't think we've really talked about enough. Well, but, um, I, I was talking to another person uh, who, you know, took the opposite view. He said, oh, come on. I mean, th- things keep changing. You know, p- people probably said this when books were invented. Yeah, you know, that's probably true. Yeah. You're, you're, it's it's the latest and best. It's what, what they do. Yeah, but there isn't – I don't think there's been a time – I mean, there, well, that's not true. There, there have been times in human history where kids didn't play outside a lot, but there, but there is – you need the human body is meant for physical exertion and physical exercise. The human body is not, does not adapt well to sitting on a couch all day. You know, um, there's lots and lots of evidence that suggests that childhood play, especially free play, is really really important to psychological development and emotional development, mm-hmm. emotional regulation, and um, you know we're we're kind of doing this experiment where we're taking this generation of people and saying, well, you what 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 would your lives be like? What would you be like as an adult if you didn't play outside a lot as a kid? If you didn't get the exercise? I mean, we. I mean, some of it is just rudimentary. I mean, obesity, childhood obesity yeah. is a real problem, you know. So, hiking in the mountains is a <laughs> is one way to address that. It's an improvement. Not everyone's going to do it that way, but it's you know, it's yeah. something. You're listening to Talk of the Town on Magic 590 plus 100.5. I'm Bob Cudmore. Our guest today is Chris Churchill, Albany Times Union News columnist. We'll be back in just a moment. Talk of the Town continues on Magic 590, also heard on 100.5. I'm Bob Cudmore. Joining us is Chris Churchill, Albany Times Union News columnist. You did a column that... I have some knowledge of, actually, or I should have, but I honestly didn't have knowledge of it until I read your column. Oh, good. I, I don't I, I, I do not do it as much as I should. We were just talking about getting outside and hiking, and I don't do that. But I have been making an effort to go to the YMCA oh, yeah. and uh, exercise. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised to read, because I go to one of the YMCA branches of the Capital District YMCA. Yeah. I was surprised to read in your column that they banned cable news yeah, from that, the exercise room. Have they done that in your at yours? Well, I I can't honestly I can't tell. Yeah. And I haven't been there in a few days, so I haven't asked. Yeah. Uh but you know, you know that I think of it, it's always sports. Yeah. Sports is on our and, and you know, occasionally something else. But uh when there's a big news story happening they put cable news on. But what what's the rationale for some of them banning cable news. Well, this is a policy that went into effect two years ago. It went into effect at about the time of that Access Hollywood tape, you know, the Donald Trump tape. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it took a long time for it to, or it's taking a long time for it to filter down to the individual locations. And um, I got a call from a man at the East Greenbush location where it had just gone into effect. And his morning routine was to, you know, 
go to the gym, get on the treadmill and watch MSNBC for a few, you know, an hour or so. And then, and then he got there one day and they told him he couldn't watch it. And he right. was pretty upset about that. Um, but the, the rationale is that it's, you know, cable news is not, um, healthy, healthy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, there's, there's some truth to that. I mean, on the one hand, I don't, I'm not unsympathetic to that argument that it's not the healthiest thing to do. Even and I'm in the news business, but to fixate on the news all day is not the healthiest thing in the world. On the other hand, you know, if an adult wants to watch the news, I don't, I don't know yeah. that it's anybody's business to tell them yeah. that he can't. But Especially I, when you're a paying customer. I was telling uh, somebody about this at a, ga- a gathering, or a friend of mine, and his thought on when they banned cable news. Well, maybe it's because it gets the people. You know, into arguing, and they don't want them necessarily arguing. And- yeah, that's kind of what a lot of people thought it must be the reason. The the spokesperson for the Y didn't really mention that much as a as a reason. Um, but yeah, you you do wonder if you know if there's a limited number of televisions, and one person wants to watch Fox, and the other person wants to watch right. CNN, then maybe there could be an argument. But that could happen about. Any any television dispute. I mean, you sure. might want to watch an Ohio State football game, and I want, might want to watch the Red Sox, and then we might have the same same sort of argument. So I don't know that that's that and, that's really a solution. And, and you did have one woman who said, "Well, it's great they banned the news, but they were, were showing other kind of violent things on television, you know, like yeah. pop shows and things." Yeah, like and that. The, you know, daytime TV is pretty pretty tawdry oh, yeah, for the like most part. Uh, yeah, Dr. yeah, Phil yeah. Or something. And yeah. they really want they really want everyone to be watching local news. And you know, I'm a, I'm in local news. I think t- to some degree that's great. But there's a lot of stuff on local news that's going to be upsetting to people too. So. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. It that was definitely a talker of a of a column, and uh, I have gone to the trouble of taking a picture of you, uh, the latest picture that we'll put on our Facebook pages, because you are now bearded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you even did a yeah. So I can vouch for the fact that you're bearded. Yeah, it was uh, not. It was but, not a lie. It was yeah. not fake news. But you <laughs> you say our culture is prejudiced against beards. So why would you do this? But go ahead. Well, this is just kind of a jokey column I wrote. I mean, I I, uh, I for some reason I just started looking at the presidential portraits, and uh, it's pretty striking. You see all these bare, clean shaven faces for about a hundred years. Mm. And then, boom, all of a sudden there's these bushy guys. <laughs> like, you know, right, right. in the late 1800s, almost every single president had big, bushy facial hair, you know. And it's just, um, it's just, to me, it's an interesting cultural change. It's it's hard to imagine a bearded person getting elected president today. For And I don't exactly know why that is, but there's just, I just don't Something think we would. It, yeah. yeah, we just don't think we would go well, for it. Well, Abraham Lincoln was elected clean-shaven, wasn't he? And But he grew a beard, right? Well, he had that weird kind of, I don't know if it's called, a, what it's called exactly. It's kind of the Amish look where it's uh, clean-shaven yeah. on the lip and then a beard down around the chin. But um, but yeah, and then after him, maybe, maybe this was because people admired Abraham Lincoln so much. After him, the facial hair, presidential facial hair really, you know, grew, <laughs> so right, to speak. Right. And... Uh, but then it just vanished and haven't had one since. And it, Thomas Dewey, the New York governor. Well, that's true. You mentioned he yeah, had yeah. a mustache. He had a mustache. And yeah. he lost. And he lost. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that was the reason. Okay. Well. <laughs> Mustaches are especially suspicious, I think. Yes. Yeah. Well, we're uh, back to the the presidential candidate's idea. I know we discussed it in the first part of the program, but you mentioned Elizabeth Warren's 
running. Yeah. Uh, and there's talk not only of Governor Cuomo, but also of Kirsten Gillibrand. Yeah, I think she's more likely to do it than he is. She, she, she sure sounds like a, like a presidential candidate. I mean, the problem they run into is they're all from the same region. They're all, you know— trying to draw from the same donor bases, it's it's hard. I, they're all going to have a tough time differentiating themselves from the other, you know? I mean, yeah. if you have 20, 20, 25 people on the stage, which it sure seems like we could be, what the Democrats could be headed for, um, how do you how do you stand out, you know? And especially if you're just another candidate from the Northeast. I don't know. I mean, yeah. Cuomo might stand out because he would be one of the loudest people on stage. <laughs> but Well, also yeah. he's a governor. It's right. It's a traditional... Yeah, right. Yeah, senator is a tough one to run from because you're. You, what do you point to as your particular accomplishment? You know, but then again, Cuomo has things that would certainly. You know, there's the corruption issues that yes, he's had. He's, there's the fact that the state continues to lose population under yes. his under his tenure. That <laughs> you can bet that would that would be a talking point for Trump or whoever he's running against. You know, um, so yeah, it'll, it'll be it'll be fun to watch. I mean, if you're the kind of person who thinks watching people well, run for president is fun. fun yeah. yeah. Well, another uh, serious local story you've uh, covered the, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly, Elazar, e- El- Elazar? Elazar. Yeah. Elazar yeah. Williams case. Yeah. Elazar Williams was paralyzed after being shot by an Albany police detective, James Olson, in August. Authorities say Olson feared for his life as he saw Williams running toward him with a knife. But you, you say there's photographic evidence that disputes that. There's vi- yeah, there's video. Uh, yeah, there's video um, taken from security cameras. A security camera on a, on a school nearby was the is the best shot. You could kind of see Elazar running uh, toward the camera as he's shot, and at, at no point in that video do you see him turn toward the officer in any in any way at all. Yeah, mm. I mean, so it's just. Um, it's just, that's just not true. As far as, I mean, I've never, nobody, I haven't seen anybody watch that video and come away saying that, that, yeah, they saw Elazar turning toward the officer. And the, the family of, uh, Elazar and, and other supporters, I mean, continue to press this case. Do you think they're going to get anywhere? Uh, I don't think they're going to get anywhere, uh, in criminal courts, but I think they're certainly going to get somewhere in a civil court. I mean, I think the payout will be pretty, pretty significant. You know, I, um, I, I just have trouble um, imagining that a jury's not going to watch that video and and think that the sh- that you know he's he's do he's do something, yeah, mm. yeah. Which isn't to justify what he did. I mean, he was running from police. There was an altercation at a yes. convenience store that led to the whole thing. Um, but he was shot in the back. You know. Mm. Uh, one other story, a very serious one, but I mean, it's still, well, I don't know if it's not up in the air, but it's the, I'm referring to the Boston Spa murder-suicide. Mm-hmm. Husband killed his wife and a daughter, or their daughter, uh, and the shooter you know, had a good job. I mean, that's what seems kind of unusual about this. He was employed at Global Foundries, yeah. you know, suburban community. Yeah. Yeah, that was, I mean, that happened just a few days before Christmas, and... I happened to be working a night shift that night, so I actually went to this. Happened to go to the scene, and um, it's just one of those inexplicable tragedies. I mean, we don't know what was going on in that house or what was going on in that in that man's life, but um, you know, it's just one of those things that 
is just impossible to explain. You know, I can't imagine anybody killing their killing their own mm-hmm. child. Well, it's a very sad note, but we yeah. are out of time. You've been listening to Talk of the Town on Magic 590, also heard on 100.5. Our guest was Chris Churchill, Albany Times Union News columnist. Read his columns Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays in the Times Union. Next week's guest on Talk of the Town is Albany County Executive Dan McCoy. I'm Bob Cudmore.